Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Okay, so if you're actually new to Grace Life, or you're actually, as a Christian, you're just new and you're still exploring the Bible and you might not have come across the book of Galatians, let me just give you a bit of a background story into why we're actually preaching on Colossians in this season. So today we actually continue to look at a, a letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians. So last week, Pastor Scott and Pastor Josh began with chapter one of Colossians, So in Colossians 1, Paul establishes a foundation of who Christ is, who we are, and now in chapter 2, he's saying, if you are in Christ, now let's walk in him. Amen? So in the opening words of Colossians chapter 2, the apostle Paul opens his heart and shares with the church his struggles for them, right? The Apostle Paul was deeply, like he was so worried, he was so concerned for the Colossians because the church, and it was quite a young church, was being threatened from the inside by false teaching. And this is something that we're seeing currently in our world at the moment. Paul could not go to the city because he was actually... um, You know, he he was actually under house arrest at that time, chained to a Roman soldier in Rome. But he didn't even know these people, and he actually, he didn't even plant this church. But he actually took an opportunity because he was hearing, and he was feeling them in the spirit. And so he wanted to respond to the Colossians to encourage them in their faith to expose that danger that was threatening the church. So I think today is just a perfect example of mothers. How many mothers in this house right now, when your child threatened, do you go into mama bear mode, right? Come on, I'm not the only one. Let's be honest, put your hand up. Who goes into mama bear mode where your kid, you know, you're playing sports. I'm a, I'm a soccer basketball mom and sometimes when I see other players flinch, but I have to self-control and, you know, apply that. So Paul was like that. He was like a loving parent. He was like, I, you know, I love these people. I love my kids and I'm concerned about the threat of danger. And Paul felt this agony. He was like, I feel this pain in my heart. I feel this, you know, this stirring that I'm just so worried about them. And he was worried about the believers because their relationship with Christ was being threatened by these false teachers. And Paul's heart was heavy. He was heavy. He wanted encourage. He wanted them to be everything they are in Christ. So Paul, you know Paul, he was an amazing example of someone who labored, someone that spent his whole life trying to proclaim the gospel. And so he wanted people to continue to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So he started church planners, he went around, he traveled so that people would be built up in the knowledge of Jesus. Amen? So in his love, he exposed the danger. Like a surgeon, when we are exposed to a threat in our bodies, the surgeon will get a knife. But Paul, instead of a knife, he picked up a pen. And he started to write 
and penned the dangers that were happening around their area, around their city. And so he exposed the disease that is hurting the church. And Paul, he was a believer, he believed so much that Jesus was the prescription for the world. And today, we see that in our world, where our nation, our our families is being threatened. We see our schools being threatened. We see our belief systems being threatened. We see our standards being threatened. You know, even to say, I'm a Christian lately, is a threat to people. Everything we stand for in Christ is under attack by false teaching, attitudes, opinions, humanistic thinking. It's all been attacked. And you know what? When I was reading that, I was challenged because I'm thinking, am I agonizing over the church enough? Am I agonizing over my family enough? Am I, am I agonizing over the state of our nation, of, of our world enough? Am I just being like a fly-by Christian that just goes, oh, yeah, I'll flick through Facebook. Okay, it's not my, my business. No, I was challenged when I was reading that. Because here, Paul, who is not connected in any way, he's in jail. He could be seeing his, oh, well, was me. I'm in jail, changed to a Roman soldier. But yet, he is so passionate and so so concerned for others that he was agonizing about the state of the church. And that questioned me, am I passionate enough? Am I living a comfortable life? Am I getting caught up in just, oh, well, this is just the norm now? No, it's not. It's not the norm. Are we like Paul right now where we are deeply concerned about the state of our church and what our kids are being taught at school or what we hear in our workplaces? Or what we see on the TV, what we see, what we hear on the news. Are we concerned enough that we want to take a stand? You know, you can't just say, oh, well, you know what, I'm just here and then I'm passing on. No, what are we handing over to the next generation? So I really want to reflect on the first two verses, verse 6 and 7, our walk in Christ. And now just as you accept a Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So Paul highlights four characteristics of our walk found in verse 6 and 7. Firstly, he talks about rooted in Christ, built up in Christ, strengthened in Christ, overflowing with thankfulness. Good job. <laughs> they got it. And there's many. So we live in a society, we live in a world that many who accept a Christ, many accept Christ, but there's also many that haven't continued to follow him. So it's easy to say, yes, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And that's great. Praise God. We're rejoicing. We're so excited. But it, there's, a, there's a next stage where we have to walk in him. We have to follow him. First of all, the Bible says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. The word rooted refers to the foundation of your Christian life. The Christian life is founded on Christ and Christ alone. It is not founded on your goodness or your works or your merit. Although they are great, 
great that everyone can serve, but that's not what it's based on. I came from a background, a religious background, where it was all based on works and merits. And I had to think I had to do so much good for God to get into heaven. That is not true. The word rooted brings to mind the image of a tree. And it's a great picture. We can see such a, like the roots down there. And so Paul paints a picture of stability in our lives that are built on Christ. Life brings all sorts of chaos and problems. Who has chaos and problems right now? (laughs) And you know what? And sometimes you can just feel so overwhelmed. You're just like, oh my goodness, Lord, is this what I've signed up for? This is hectic in my life. And in Christ, though, we have peaceful stance, right? People, you are content. You are calm. Yet you are peaceful. What is going on? I could not handle what you've gone through. I don't know why you are still smiling. Why are you still patient? Because you know what? Our roots. If your roots appear weak, then you will be pulled out when the simplest of problems arise. Who loves gardening here? I don't. My husband loves it. Thank God I married someone who loves God. <laughs> but, you know, who, you know, the weeds, like if you leave them too long, it gets difficult to pull them out, right? <laughs> so, but if you actually look after yourself like a garden, you will be able to have strong roots. So what Christ is saying here is that the roots is your foundation of your faith. He is the root and the source of your Christian life. As Jesus says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, what? You can do nothing. You can do nothing. If the word rooted refers to the foundation built up, then refers to your continued growth in the Christian life. So... You see that trick, the vine, the connection. I just, the overflow with gratitude is evidence of a healthy tree. As I said before, why do people see you laughing and smiling and rejoicing, even though that you might have lost and you might be in pain, you might be given a diet, uh, you know, went to the doctors and they said that you've got, you've got a disease, but yet you come out thankful and joyful. Why is that? There's an overflow with gratitude because of your, of your health, about what you've put in yourself. And the overflow with gratitude is the seed that helps produce the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians 5.22. And I've got just examples of Galatians 5.22. Thanks, Lockie. Just another slide, thanks. Not sure what's happening with the slides, but I'll move on. So we've got Galatians 5.22 outlining the good fruit that bears with a plant. And, that, and that's the type of fruit that we want to see to have health. And, and that's coming from a good source. And bad fruit, well, if you read Galatians 5 verses 19 to 21, that outlines the bad fruit that can produce in your soul. And that doesn't create create a healthy outlook for yourself. So I want to ask you, what are you actually feeding your soul at the moment? Are you looking at too much TV? Are you reading some kind of material? 
Are you looking at things that are not healthy for you? You know, it's just not what you put in physically when you eat something. It's what you do that spiritually, what what are you listening to? What music? What's your values at the moment? What are you allowing to take residence in your soul at the moment? So you and I, for us to get healthy and to get like strong trees, like a strong plant, healthy and strong, to invest in Galatians 5.22, where we want to have love and patience and gentleness, we have to start to really change our mindsets. We really have to change our attitude towards life. You cannot have a worldly perspective in a, in a kingdom mindset. You can't come in thinking that, okay, Christ, I accept you, but you're not going to change me. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to start working in you and start to be like, allow God, the gardener, to come and do some digging into your garden and start to pull out those weeds, those things that are causing you not to grow properly. So you, we are responsible to get out our Bibles. We're responsible to worship. We're responsible to do our devotions and, and be around like-minded people. A negative attitude will work against you. See, a long time ago, I chose Jesus as my source. I didn't choose other things as my source. And yet I came from a life that other sources could have robbed me of who I am today. Some others choose drugs as their source, alcohol as their source. You might choose pornography as your source. Whatever it is, I encourage you to choose Jesus as your source today. The reason why I can actually get up and actually smile through my storms is because I can live a life of thankfulness because my roots are so deep because I only accept Jesus as my source to provide me, to have life. I can't do it any other way. There have been times where I have thought that I can't get up, I can't go through life now, I can't come over, come this experience any longer. But it's because I allow Jesus to pour out into me so that I can grow again. And that's the only reason why I'm still standing. So ask yourself right now, Where does your source come from right now? What fruits are people seeing in you? Are they seeing hate? Are they seeing anger? Are they seeing bitterness in your life? What fruits are they seeing right now? Let's go to the next one. Next point is watch out for empty promises. Who's had a promise? Someone promised you something and they broke it? Or you might have broken a promise. So I want to read verse 8 and... Verses 8 to 10. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. Now, this is a big one, and I just pray that you just have an open mind and open your hearts right now, because I really want to dive a little bit deeper into this particular passage. Now, the church right now, as I said, is facing probably, in our generation, I can only speak for this generation, one of the hardest times. And the church has always been tempted 
to dull the sharp edges of the Christian faith and to abandon half-truths in the face of culture and religious pressure. So right now we are starting to feel the culture and the religious pressure coming from, like, the government, from the media, from public schools, from the courts, from our politicians right now. And passing the baton of faith to the next generation has always been really hard work. And it's been challenging. I don't know about you, I feel like, um, not the majority, but the minority. But the Bible says that we are the head and not the tail. Amen? And we've got to start acting like we're the head and not believing that they are saying that we are insignificant, that the Bible, this has been, this is old school now. We don't believe in this word. No, 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 no. This hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. They're telling us that we're irrelevant, that Jesus is irrelevant, that the word is irrelevant. But yet you just think how many carbon copy versions of the Bible's out there in the world right now. You see it through our movies, through our books, and the way people talk. And you know what? It's been really hard right now trying to pass the baton of faith, probably into your families, to your children, to your next-door neighbor, to your school. You're probably feeling this pressure, and you're feeling like, oh, I don't want to get caught up in this. And you know what? It's sometimes the raging river of culture opinion can get pull you down. Who loves Facebook here? Sometimes you can just put a simple Bible scripture on and you can just feel someone attacks you and you're like, hang on, <laughs> that's supposed to be encouraging. But they just seem to want to give their opinion. Church is getting really serious now. It is. It's getting real. I don't know if you feel it. And like Paul said, are you agonizing over it? And we're witnessing so many people deceived by different type of philosophies and human was under the same pressure from a wide variety of religious ideas and philosophies. Let me explain to you. Many of the false teachers offered special mysteries for the select few. Others were taught by traveling philosophers who tried to show how sensible and practical their ideas were. Paul is warning the Colossians against pursuing wisdom and knowledge that will oppose the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's why we need to be a lot more discerning. My boys always said, Mom, you're so discerning. You're like, you can catch us out. I'm like, I'm telling you, that's not in my own strength. That's the Holy Spirit. They used to like, how do you know this? I mean, I'm telling you, they've tried a few things, but it's only the Holy Spirit prompting me to walk out or do something or say something at the right time. And you know what? Because I asked the Holy Spirit, give me more discernment that I may see because I don't want to get caught up. I don't want to be fooled. I want to stay alert. So ask the Holy Spirit today, help me see, help me hear, help me discern, help me seek truth and be aware of the demonic forces that are out there trying to lead you or your family or your community away from living a life of, from, without God. 
And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to convince you that this is not truth and this way is limiting. This book is too legalistic. Oh, it's too many rules. I can't live this way. And that's why Paul had to write this. It is not about having too many rules or trying to make you have a hard life or a boring life. That is not what Christianity is about. If you actually read this properly and understand the word and understand who God is and who you are in God, you understand this book gives you freedom and liberty because you know who you are. It's not an arrogance. It's not a prideful thing. It's because you understand who God has called you to be and what your purpose is. Don't listen to the world when they say that this, this binds you up and, you know, you're going to live a boring life. No, no, no. I probably lived my best life when I became a Christian. Before that, I was all over the place. So remember, there are going to be certain people, going to be certain situations that are going to whisper in your ear and try to convince you to walk away from God, to tell you, just give up on God. Do you remember Eve and the serpent in Genesis 3.1? It says, one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? How many of us are like that in our Christian walk, where we start off well, we accept Jesus, we're going along life, and then suddenly we have something whisper in our ears. Did God really say that? Hmm. Did God tell you you're going to prosper or, you know, you're going to do well? Did he really say, oh, did God really say that to you? And then all of a sudden we get tempted to do something opposite of what God has told us to do. As I've mentioned before, are we agonizing about what we're seeing? Our religious freedom is under attack. Last week, Pastor Scott asked us to write emails. Pastor Josh did the same. They're going to be holding um, um, a hearing about our religious freedoms. Our religious freedoms in our Christian schools are being attacked at the moment where they want to be in charge of employing the staff and what, what our values and how we teach our children. Are you angry parents? We can't do, we can't allow that to happen. This is our religious freedom. We have the right and we've got to stand up. We have drag queens now coming into the schools to speak to our innocent kids. You know, these you know, guys that dress up as women, they're coming and they're speaking to our kids. Innocent minds that they're trying to corrupt and trying to instill this identity issue. Oh, you can be all you want to be and you, can, you don't have to listen to your teacher. You don't even have to listen to your parents. Tell me something right now, parents. Do you find it hard parenting right now? Because it feels like our voice is starting to be less because other voices are coming in the world like the serpent coming into our garden and trying to speak to our children and our family and our society and our community, telling them that don't listen to God because just, just do it your way. Confusion on genders. I watched a guy on this popular news show in, um, in uh, England. He made me laugh. I actually did want to get the clip, but I just couldn't download it properly. He identifies himself as a broccoli and he was dressed as a broccoli. And, <laughs> and the newsreader was like, what's going on here? Are you serious? And like, he was so serious. And he had all the methods. And it was, it was madness. But anyway, go find it on TikTok. It's there. But 
But what I love, what I'm encouraged about now is when I was going through some videos, I also saw this generation, the kids of this generation started to stand up for truth. This one little boy, he got his father to appear with him at a school board because he found a graphic novel in his school library. But instead of complaining to the librarian, he went there and he said, oh, these pictures are not that good. And she goes, oh, no, that's, that's the, like a G version. You, we've got a more of a, gra- oh, sorry, not an M version. We've got a more of a graphic novel if you want. In a kid's library. And you know what he did instead of like complaining to like, he took it way, all the way to the school board with his dad. And he, this little boy, like here, standing on a lectern saying what he believes is wrong. This generation speaking out, another young boy who was wearing a T-shirt about his faith was told to take off his T-shirt. But other people who are complaining didn't get told told to take their flags down or their T-shirts. But it was only a Christian kid who was wearing his T-shirt about his faith and his values were told to take his shirt off. He did not stand for it. He went to the school board. There's a hunger in this generation. Please don't miss it. Don't miss out because you're caught up or you're ignoring it. There's a hunger and a thirst for these kids to know the truth. And they're willing. There are kids that are willing to confront the standards. So I just want to quickly just go through and debunk which means expose some false religions and mindsets that are currently happening not only in the world but also creeping into the church and maybe actually in the church at the moment, okay? So there's false teaching happening in our church and I did some research and there's over 4,000 religions in the world right now, over 4,000. Let me explain what a religion is. A religion is a religion is false if it has any form of works in its plan of salvation. The Bible is clear. Biblical salvation is based totally on the grace of God and has nothing to do with the works of a man. This truth separates Christianity from all the other religions of the world. All non-Christian religion, religions require man to do something in order to earn his or her salvation. 1 John 4 Verse 14 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware. I'm just teaching right now. So please don't come up to me and go, I'm asking you right now to do your own research. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you to truth. I just want to unpack some of these false teachings that are here already. And sometimes we've got to be very careful because sometimes it sounds like God. You think it's God. You think it's this new wave. But then you understand, then you go, "Mm, I'm not sure. And sometimes you think it's the right thing to do. But I always test the spirit when something appears and it pulls my focus away from Jesus and his will. Then I know something's not right. 
So I encourage you to go to the Word and ask the Holy Spirit to, um, to uh, help you understand and discern what's truth. I want to talk about the, the new thing, well, the thing that's come up more and more, social justice and the woke culture. So let me explain. Social justice is a view that everyone deserves equal economical, economic, political and social rights and opportunities. And woke meaning alert to racial prejudice and discrimination. Isaiah one seventeen says, "Learn to." And they actually take so the social justice go to scripture is Isaiah one seventeen. Learn to do good, suppress, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of widows. Great, I love Isaiah. It's true. We have to learn to do good. We have to learn to, to go out there and help people. And, and that's what, what we're supposed to do as Christians. We've got to go out there and help and fight for people and, and give out, you know, you know, with our bread program. We do all that. But what happens is that the work has become like this religion where, and social justice where they actually just have taken something that is so pure, and they've actually made it like, well, you know what, we're just going to take that and we're going to just shred the fabric of Christianity and allow Satan to come in the ear to say, you know what, everyone's equal here. Everyone's equal. And um, social justice people believe that, that, that things have to be made fair. One of my dear friends... Um, mentored her for years. She's got caught up in the social justice group in America. Her still, and I'm praying for her, but I get out who she is in Christ. She had something in Christ, and now she's so confused, and she's just putting on things that are just up to the world. And so, call for people to show compassion and loving kindness to others, but what happens is that they're not challenging people. They're not saying, well, this is the word, and they're making the word look like we're too legalistic or, you know, don't worry, God's going to accept you no matter what. You continue because he's going to, yes, the Bible says to learn to do good, but whose good are we doing it for? Have we lost our focus? See what I'm saying? You, you can look at this and think, well, Karen, they're doing good for God. They're bringing social justice. They're fighting for the oppressed. They're feeding the poor. They're talking to people. Yes, me too. But I don't lower my standards when I talk to people. Because the thing is, my truth has no weight. My ways has no weight. My story, yes, my story is there, but the word has weight. It's this truth that's going to set them free. And what's happening is that the enemy has used that one scripture and brought confusion. And they're saying, well, you know what? You can just have a good life. You can have God, but you know what? He's not all you need. And the woke culture is constantly, it's, it's in line with the social justice. They're trying to constantly just seek out and define culture and everything that we do. And the, with woke... Let me explain to you. The opposite of woke means wake. Church, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. 
we need to start to pray and start to seek God about our nation and start to realize that how can we help these people who are caught up in this kind of social justice to be free and to understand that they can be in alignment with God and do his will. They don't have to go outside, but they can come in alignment with him and walk with him. How do we show compassion? How do we not give up on them? But we need to start waking up and not to get cooled down and not to be afraid or scared about their opinions, but to stand for truth. The second one is cancel culture. Cancel culture refers to the mass withdrawal of support from public figures and even celebrities who have done things that aren't socially accepted today. Now, the practice of cancelling or mass shaming often occurs on social media platforms such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Now, who's, who's seen this played out on the media, on the social media, where you see someone who is so, so loved and all of a sudden they cancelled out? And unfortunately, this kind of religious spirit is creeping into our church. We tend to cancel people out or find ways to destroy find ways to seek to destroy sin, but in the process, we actually destroy people. Gone quiet in here. I told you, Colossians is like, like, happy Mother's Day to me. (laughs) Had to be chapter two. But as I said, we're in a serious church. I do not just go, I'm going to speak on Colossians. Allowing only those without sin to join in social circles. How many of us just look at a person, well, They've got too much going on for me. No. You know, we get into our cliques, into our social circuit circles, and we start to gossip. We start to condemn, and we're like, oh, you know, just love them with the Lord, but you know what? This person needs to, you know, really to get the act together. And it does become gossipy, and we've got to, we've got to be alert to that. But what I love about Jesus, do you remember Jesus and the woman that was caught in adultery? He didn't use a stone. He didn't use certain language to destroy her. He didn't even look at her at her sin. He looked at the person. How am I going to help this person? But how many of us in church right now will pick up a stone and throw? This pastor um, pens this beautiful account of Jesus. I just want to read it to you. The world is still in the business of casting people out, just like it was back then. But Jesus has the answer. He was cast out and cancelled, so we could be uncancelled by God. He was exiled from the earthly city, so we could be welcomed into God's city to come. Amen? So whoever's cancelled you out in life and told you you are nothing and someone who said they loved you and then that unloved you, or you might be dealing with the cancel culture where people are hating on you for no reason or you've been liked or disliked or you've been unfriended or friended on Facebook. Who cares? Don't worry about it because Jesus has uncancelled you and cancelled you. Amen? So you just got to know you are, you are loved by him. And just like that woman, he restored her life. He reset her, he reestablished her, and he set her on a journey, and she became one of the best followers Jesus ever had. Amen? New age movement. This generation, now this is where you've got to ask the Holy Spirit for discernment, is open to seeking spiritual experience independently of Bible doctrine. 
Now, if you are not switched on, it can be a bit of a blurred line. You've got to be really careful what you're dabbling into. And this is actually really accepted in our culture. We see a lot of, especially with our young adults right now, they are actually dabbling into new age. And that's coming from a lot of our evangelistical churches at the moment too. And this is hard. So you have to be asking yourself to be more aware and alert and discerning to see the deception that the enemy is bringing into the church. Because he has a habit of crafting your mind, luring your curious mind into his web. So you really got to just separate yourself. When someone presents something to you, don't always just accept it and say, oh, yeah, that's true. Go back to your word and find scripture to attach with it. And that's what I'm doing now is that, yes, I actually move in the spirit. I love the signs and wonders. I love the prophetic. I I love seeing healings and breakthroughs. But now when someone presents something, I just don't take it. I just go, okay, where does the word, where does it come from in the word? So base your spiritual experiences also with the scriptures. Amen? Last one, follow your heart. Follow your heart. <laughs> Thanks to Disney and a host of kids' movies, we actually, <laughs> kids are bombarded, <laughs> someone's laughing, bombarded with a message, follow your heart, follow your heart. And a close second to do what's right, do what feels right. Well, none of us will be out of bed if we did what feels right. We wouldn't want to get out to work. So on the surface, both of these have good intentions and almost sound right. But if you look deeper, they could be more, couldn't be more wrong. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So the truth is, feelings are unreliable. I don't trust my feelings. And they can be wicked at some times. And we have to be under, understand that we can't just be following the crowd, following our feelings, our emotions. We can't trust how we feel about something. We must take it back to the Word of God. And these are the only few examples. That I was really worried when I was going through and studying how many false religions are coming out into the world and into the churches. This is only four of them that I've given you. There's so much. Go home and do some studies because we can pray into it. And I've come from a lifestyle that I had to learn to let go of some of my beliefs and some of my concerns. I'm unlearning, even being a Christian over nearly 30, over 30 years, like I'm nearly 30 years, I had to now start unlearning a few things that I have been learnt in the past. How many of us right now have been captured by our beliefs? How many of you are pressured by family and friends right now, from your spouses, from your work, traditions passed from generation to generation? Are you bound up right now by the world, by the woke culture, the social justice, the council culture? Who's been affected by the council culture? I know that mental health issues are arising because so many people are trying to get their confidence and self-esteem from others, and that's not going to happen. That's only going to get you more, 10 more sessions at the counsellor. How many people have walked away from God and they're trying to live their life in their own strength, only to be bombarded with more pressure, more confusion, more disappointment, more depression, more anxiety, more stress? 
How many are we seeing that are just so fearful that they don't want to step out? Even as a Christian, how many of us are actually speaking the Word of God or challenging people when they're actually saying something and you're just too scared to say something because you don't want to offend them anymore? I'm not saying to belittle them and to treat them like, like badly. I'm saying you can do things in love. Because at the end of the day, Jesus was about love. He wanted to set people free. He had to challenge all the religious um, opposition of his day, the Pharisees. And he had to, you know, be treated so badly because he came with a different mindset. He came with a kingdom culture. And people were like, I don't, I'm not happy with this culture. I'm happy with what culture we've done. Look at us right now. How many of us are being opposed because we're bringing another culture? We're bringing the kingdom culture into our families, into our schools, into our workplaces. Have you ever gone into your workplace and people just start to get nervous around you? It's almost like they manifest around you. Like, oh, you know, I don't want to talk to you. They're weird. Like, sometimes I'm like, why are they acting weird around me? And I'm like, no, no, it's a Jesus in me. Don't take it personal. It's because there's something in them. And... The thing is, you have to challenge people. If they are saying things and it doesn't sit well with you, help them to know the truth. Help them to be set free. So Paul was sitting there in and you know, he's getting, you know, dealing with all this empty philosophy and all these false teachers. But I love Paul. I love his stance and his ability to have faith. And he doesn't get, he gets worried. And I guess he gets, he's agonizing. But I know that he knows who he is in Christ. And Paul says there's no comparison. You might have walked away from God and you've tried other religions. Or you might be dabbling into other things right now. Or you might be like, well, God didn't do anything for me. So I'm just going to try to do meditation. I'm going to try, you know, I'm going to get a psychic to tell my future. Because God, God's been 10 years late telling my future. So I'm going to try someone else who will give me a quick answer. That's not how it is. There's no comparison to Jesus Christ. Amen. There's no comparison. That other people cannot give you life. They're dead ends. They're just a waste of time. Can I encourage you, do not waste any more time. Live your life like God has called you. Live the fullness that He's called you to do. He wants, there's a wonderful truth that you will be full in Him. It says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. What a wonderful truth. We are complete and we find our fulfillment in Christ alone. We don't need anything else. Don't put the pressure on your spouse to be perfect. Don't put the pressure on your kids to be perfect or fill you up. Or, no, I need this. I need that to have a full life. No, you can't do that. You have to ask Christ to be everything in your life to have that fulfilled life. You are complete in Him. Amen. So if Paul's letter to the Colossians has a center, a, a central summary it is here. The false teachers are trying to deceive members of this young church and they need something more. But Paul's answer, and this is central to his theme, he, I could hear him saying or resounding, no, you are complete in Christ. Tell the person next to you, you are complete in Christ. So I'm just going to end it here. So I'm asking you, to just put aside whatever other source that you're dealing with and just ask, Holy Spirit, help my roots to be so deep in Christ 
Don't base your Christianity on facts. I need facts to get saved. I need facts to follow Jesus. I need a fact to tell me that God is real. I can't give that to you. But cling to, cling to the facts. This is the truth and the truth will set you free. You don't have to be in bondage. You don't have to be captive. Please don't believe in the lie that the enemy thinks that Christianity is boring and that you live half your life. That's not true. I don't know who right now is feeling hollow or empty or unfulfilled. You've been trying to fill your life with other substances. You've been probably dealing with other things, trying to fill your days or trying to make you happy. You're living your life the opposite of what Christ wants you to live. See, the Christian life is marked in Christ, freedom in Christ, and fullness in Christ. How about church, we start to live an authentic life for Christ, where we're real, we're not scared to take on whatever the enemy is throwing at us. So this morning, I want you just to, I know that was a bit challenging, but it's simple. The secret to living the Christian life is living in Christ. And I hope today you hear the heart of the Father, just as Paul was writing for the people to hear the heart of the Father. I hope today you heard the heart of the Father to say He wants you to to trust Him with your life, with your purpose, with your plans. He wants you to be deeply rooted in Him. And for those who have been Christians for a long time, I want to give you a healthy challenge. You've been in school for too long. You've been reading the same word and being in the same comfort zone. I want to challenge you by start to say school's out, step out. Start to walk in Him, start to get out there. Start to use whatever God has got in you to start to see people saved and get, you know, set the captives free and start to pray for the souls. Let's start to be deeply concerned for the state of our church, for our families, just like a mother who desperately loves their child. No matter what age they are, all they want to do is see them thrive and live a life, a healthy life, a good life, a life in God. Amen? Amen. Father, we just want to thank you today. We thank you, Lord, Father, for your word. We thank you, Lord, Father, for your truth. And we just pray, Lord, Father, that you, Lord, Father, thank you for unpacking your word and your secrets that we can live a Christian life, your life, the life that you have given us. And we just pray, Lord, Father, that... I pray for every person now, Lord Father, who has been bound up or who's been attached to certain things or wasn't aware that they were dabbling into things, Lord Father. I pray that you will just reveal your truth and that they may find completeness and fulfillment in you alone. I thank you, Father, Lord, that as we rest in you, we just want to thank you that you love us so much, that you agonize over us, that you love us to pen this book together for us to hear your heart, your truth and your love. And we thank you for everything that you're doing. Help us, Lord Father, to walk in you, to live a life of truth and no more compromise, Lord Father. And we thank you that we will see great fruits come from everyone's lives in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.